You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. I want to just take a moment and say thank you to our team. Um, we have asked our, our crew to move this, this time of worship from one place in this building to another to another. And today we, we had all kinds of things happen that were out of our control. And I want to tell you, um, it really has been a blessing to see our, our team come together and all those folks up there that I can't see you because the light shines so brightly, but thank you all so much for all that you do. And, and, and I think about uh, Dwayne and, and Justin and so many others that have made this possible where we could still worship together, even though it's been far from perfect. And we we know that this is far from perfect as well. It's, it's not going to be what we want for some time yet, but that's just 2020 for us, right? And it's going to be okay. So church, continue to pray for God to, to touch our hearts, to touch our land. I, I'm so, uh, I'm just like you, I'm watching the news and seeing that COVID-19 isn't going away. And so I'm just praying we can continue to come and gather like this and that we won't have another uh, time apart because I have truly missed being with you here in this room every Sunday. It's interesting, isn't it? When we, we take things for granted and, and I hope church that we don't come out of this uh, weaker, but we come out stronger because we realize how precious this time is together. Now, we're going to be starting a new series here on the life of David, and we, I believe, can truly experience some amazing truth from First and Second Samuel. We see from the Old Testament some beautiful examples of what life needs to be, what we need to think about as it relates to our imperfections we bring to the world, but God can still work His grace and holiness through us, and that's really the theme we want to grab a hold of as we're going through the life of David. And so today, interestingly enough, we're going to start in the book of Psalm. So the Psalms are going to lead us first, and we're going to be in Psalm 78, verses 70 through 72, the very end of the chapter. So if you'll stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word, let's listen to this word from the Lord. Here we have it, Psalm 78, verse 70. The psalmist says, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the nursing ewes he brought him, to shepherd Jacob his people, Israel his inheritance. Now notice this verse, verse 72. With upright heart he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Will you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you, God, for the reality that there was a man named David whose heart was fully in love with you. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts will seek after you, that we may be filled with your Holy Spirit. And we pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. As you are being seated, let me just encourage you now to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verses 1 through 13 will be our primary text for today, but I wanted you to hear Psalm 78 because that takes you to the end of the story, and we can hear kind of a commentary on David and who he was. But now we go to the beginning of the story. We go back to the very beginning of David's call in life and his calling as a king. Now, I believe that we are always in God's sight. Um, God, God always knows us by name. He knows what we do. He knows the motivations of what we do. And above all, God knows 
our hearts. When we read the history of Israel, we see very quickly that the big problem that Israel had was a heart problem. From the very beginning, their hearts did not seek after God. And I don't believe that that is illustrated any better than when we see in the early history of the kingship of Israel, we see the people calling out and clamoring for a king like the other nations. I think that's an exclamation point on the problem problem of the heart that Israel had. Instead of letting God be their king, they cried out for a king like every other nation had. God had called them to be different and separate, but their hearts were not seeking after God. Now, just so you know, there was a period of the judges, and then the very last judge is this guy by the name of Samuel, and Samuel is is not just a judge, but a prophet, and God begins to work through his heart and says, hey, you need to go and anoint this guy Saul, and he does that. And Saul, his kingship turns into an absolute, let me use the word that's so common today, a dumpster fire, right? We can totally understand a dumpster fire and that's really what Saul's kingship was all about. One big dumpster fire and things don't go well. And because Saul didn't seek after God's own heart. Now here's what's interesting. Saul's heart just really represented the heart of the people. Uh, This was a heart that was not well, a heart that was not healthy. And so the people got exactly what they deserved. But here's something interesting. In the moments of great darkness of Saul's kingship, we learn this amazing truth. We learn that someone's coming whose heart is right before God. Now I want you to get this. What's most amazing is before we really know David's name, before we know anything about his talents or abilities, we learn about his heart. The very first thing that we learn about David, we find this in 1 Samuel 13, 14, is that God has called a king to come over the people of Israel whose heart is right. God knows his heart even before we know his name. Psalm 78, 72 reminded us that he had an upright heart. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But he was a man whose heart sought after God and that should be our goal as well. So I wanna just press pause for a moment. I want you to think along with me right now. We can see in scripture that David's heart was desperate for God. But what I wanna ask you this morning is this, is that true of us? Do we have hearts that are desperate for God? The biggest problems we face in this world today is is that we don't have enough individuals, enough people whose hearts are desperate for God. I'm not asking you how many Bible verses you have memorized. I'm not asking you how many times you've been to church in the last six months. Well, for some of us, it's not too many because of the way things have been. But the real question is, what is the status, the state, the reality that is your heart? That's what God is asking us today. And here's why we ask that question. We talk about revival and we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, but know this, the holiness of God and the power of God is not going to flow through broken, sinful hearts. It starts with the heart. When our hearts are right before God, it is then that God can pour out his spirit upon us. And church, let me tell you, we need an outpouring of the spirit, amen? We need the spirit of God to fill this place. And I want you to know that you have a heart beating in your chest. You have a soul in you that is just like David. And you have choices that you can make to either be that person who is there for God or that person who misses what God is doing. I think that our search for significance will be short 
if, if our heart is not right before God. God has you on a journey. He has a plan. And we want to make sure that our hearts are right so that we can experience the best that God has for us. Our first point this morning, though, takes us to the darkest place that we see in the text. And that is the power of grief, the paralyzing power of grief. I want to show you this in the text. Now, verses 1 through 5 are key here. But the main verse I want you to focus on, if you have your scriptures open, is verse 1. Notice the Lord says to Samuel, how long will you grieve? over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Right there we see that even though Samuel is a man of God and a prophet of God, he is a man who is paralyzed by grief. When things fall apart, it is okay, okay, listen to me, it is okay for our hearts to grieve. One thing I do not want you to take from this point is that if you are grieving, that you are automatically sinning. If, if things are falling apart in your life right now, and again with COVID-19 and all the things that have happened and changed in our lives, there are many things that are falling apart. I think it's okay for seniors in high school and college to grieve what they've lost. There's nothing wrong with saying that, that my heart is broken. But here's the issue. We have to ask the question, how long will we continue in grief? Just because we've had difficult things happen to us doesn't mean that we have to stay in that grief. Now, I'll tell you this about Samuel. Samuel is not the most creative thinker or the most dynamic leader, or even the best father figure we see in the scriptures. I can point out several places where Samuel fails, but one thing that scripture is abundantly clear on is that Samuel was obedient to God. From the very first time he heard the voice of the Lord, he was willing to obey and go where God was leading him. That is the key, the secret to his success. It would be the key and the secret to our success as well. Here is a man obedient to the voice of the Lord. Samuel's greatest gift was simple obedience. Now let me tell you why this encourages me. This encourages me because I think sometimes we believe that God is only going to use those who have the best gifts, those who are the best leaders or, or those who are the best teachers, those, those gifts that we recognize in the church as being so important, the, the, the front stage kind of gifts. But I'm here to tell you, and I believe with all of my heart, that really if we will just take Samuel's model and just be obedient, God will use each one of us in a mighty way. Think about that. It's not about IQ. It's not about all of the gifts. It really is about obedience. I would rather see people who are less than gifted, less gifted, but more obedient than the other way around. Because we can have all the gifts in the world, but if we're doing what we want instead of what God wants, we get nowhere. Here is Samuel. And he has to be asked this question, how long will you grieve? Now, why was Samuel grieving? He was stuck in grief because he was the one that had anointed Saul. He knew that it wasn't a good idea from the beginning. God had told him that. But I think Samuel took it on himself. He thought maybe he could mentor Saul. He thought that maybe he could make a difference in Saul's life. But that's not what happened. Saul continued to fall and fall and fall further away from God. And I think that any good preacher, any good prophet would say, what did I do wrong? But God is, is here to say to him, quit your grieving. Quit your crying. It's time to move on. Look at the second part of that verse. Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now, here's what I want you to get. 
If you go back and look at the call of Saul, the king, you'll notice that the people received the king that they themselves wanted. But notice the difference here. When Samuel speaks, he speaks the word of the Lord and the Lord says, I've picked out my king. Now listen, many times in our lives we fail because we are doing things the way we want them done. We have our focus, we have our desires, but that's when we will fail. Here, Samuel gets to see God move and hears God's voice and that's what is key. Now Samuel, even though he's faithful, he's still worried. If you look there in verses two and following, you'll see that he's saying, hey, listen, Lord, if, if I go and anoint another king, Saul's gonna kill me. He's not going to like it. So God gives him an opportunity to have some cover. You're going to go and you're going to do a sacrifice. And that's what happens. He goes to Jesse the Bethlehemite and he goes there and he says, I'm going to have you do a sacrifice, but also you're going to do an anointing. Now, there's something very important for us to get here. And many of you are young leaders, maybe in the church or in the community to come. Listen, leadership matters. It matters not just in your organization or your church. It, it matters. It has a ripple effect all around you. Saul's leadership was poor. And because of that, if you look at the verses here, you see the elders of Bethlehem, they are worried and they are fearful and they are not able to make good decisions because their king is not a good king. When leaders are not following God and they're not being honest and men and women of integrity, there is fear and anxiety in the organization and beyond. Saul's problems sort of leached out into the culture. And so when we have good leadership, people could go and have their fellowships and grow their gardens and, and live their lives. But when people do not have good leadership, they live in fear. And that in verses one through five here is the picture that we see, anxiety and fear. Friends, listen to this. Sin destroys the fabric of society and it casts dark shadows upon our hearts. When we look at history, American history and history in the world, we see that so much of the problem that's out there is because sinful hearts have been in positions of leadership. When sinful hearts are in positions of leadership, people will suffer. All of God's people could not become all that they could be because of the wickedness of a king's heart. Now I say all that to you. Why was Samuel grieving? Well, he had good reason. He saw a nation living in fear instead of living in faith. He saw a nation crumbling morally instead of uh, propelling forward with the power of God. Should we not grieve? Should we not grieve what's going on in our country? Is there anything wrong with us grieving or, 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 or even saying on Facebook or other places? Here, I'll say something positive about Facebook, something different for a change. It's okay to grieve on Facebook about the lamentable state of the church, of the country. But I think God is saying to us, go ahead and get your grief out. Go ahead and, ha go ahead and have a good cry, but don't get stuck in your grief. I think verses one through five teach us that that we can't let grief blind us to the great work God has planned for us. Too many times in the church, in history, we see the church goes, oh my goodness, things are terrible. And then they don't do anything to change it. Listen, you're not much of a prophet if you say America's in trouble. <laughs> you're no genius of prophecy if you say we're sinful. But I tell you what makes a difference when we stop grieving and we start going. 
and we decide and determine that we're going to be a church that makes a difference in our community. This is where it comes back to simple obedience. Simple obedience will bring about God's provision. Now, the second thing we want to see here is found in verses 6 through 10, but the main verse is verse 7. And I'm going to tell you, verse 7 is worthy of being underlined. It's one of the most important verses in First and Second Samuel, arguably the most important verse in all of the Old Testament. And we see here that, that this call that Samuel has is to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons. Um, and, and so that's what he does. He goes to do that. He goes to Bethlehem. He's going to anoint this son. And, and Jesse has a bunch of good looking boys. We see that in verse six. Eliab is mentioned there in particular. He's the oldest and he's the very first one that, uh, that they look at. But look at verse seven. That's what I want you to focus on. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Now that's directly speaking of Eliab, okay? For the Lord sees not as man sees, Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So much of David's story is about the heart. And what we see here is what's most important is, is that God sees our hearts. This is crucial for our understanding of the Hebrew Old Testament. The reason why is because many people took the Ten Commandments and assumed that if we outwardly obeyed the Ten Commandments, that that's what pleased God. But here we see something completely different. God says, people can go through the motions, but I'm looking at their hearts. Know this, God sees. I may not know your motives or your motivations, but God does. Now Eliab, let's talk about him for just a moment. He looked to be the pick of the litter. He was tall and handsome. As one scholar has put it, he was the uh, football uh, quarterback for Bethlehem High. He was senior class president. He was voted most likely to succeed because everybody looked at him and said, that's the golden boy, he's the oldest, he's got all the charm, he has all the looks, but you see, Samuel should have known better because Saul was tall and good looking too and he was rotten in his heart. And God says, Samuel, I'm not gonna let you make that mistake again. You gotta know, I'm looking for a heart. I'm not looking for the best looking guy. I'm not looking for the high school quarterback. I'm looking for the man whose heart is after mine. That's what God says. And we see here that, that Samuel has to go through all of the brothers until he says, none of these are the one. And that is when uh, we find out that there's another. But before we get to that, let's just realize this. Here we have Samuel, the man of God, making a mistake because he's doing what we do. He's assuming that his eyes and his mind can figure out the will of God. The only way we will discern and discover the will of God is by reading the word of God and meditating on it and praying fervently. Only then will our hearts be able to see what God's heart is up to. And I'll say this to you, our sins always cloud our spiritual vision. Our sins always cloud our spiritual vision. But know this, God never misses what matters most. You will miss it. God never misses it. The more you're in tune with God, the more likely that you're going to be able to know his heart and to know what you are called to do. Let me just give you a word of warning here as it relates to discernment. 
There are some denominations in the world today that like to talk about the gift of discernment. And I'm not against the gift of discernment, but let me tell you the problem with the gift of discernment. If you have one sin in your heart, you might not be able to discern the perfect will of God. It is, it is not possible for us to be sinless. So what that means is we always need to assume that we could be wrong when we're giving our opinion. People call me and text me and email me and ask me my opinion and I do my best. But I want to tell you right now, I just want you to know this. I am not sinless. And so my voice and my ideas and my philosophy and my theology, it can all be wrong because there's sin in my heart. Don't for a minute think that you are immune from these mistakes. We are all culpable of making this mistake. If it can happen to Samuel, it can happen to us. We need to make sure that we are humble. The look of the heart is something that can only happen when, when God opens our eyes. I mean, salvation came through a humble servant named Jesus and most of the world missed him. And the power of God may be at work around us today, but because of our sin, we may be missing him. Never forget about the limitations of your eyes. But don't forget that when God gets moving in your heart, all things are possible. That brings us to our last point. If you look at the text again, 1 Samuel 16, verses 11 through 13. What I want you to do, I'll just read all of this one to you so you can hear it. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Verse 13 is key. Key verse. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now it's interesting. When Jesse was told by Samuel to bring all the boys, he left one behind. You know, it's kind of like, you know, one of the kids in your family is always like, well, you love them more than you love me. I think David might've felt that way. And it looks like maybe he got the, uh, you know, the, the bad job or whatever, but here's the reality. Don't you realize that the sheep were the family business? So the truth is, is that Jesse entrusted all the family's wealth with the youngest because he was the one, according to Psalm 78, 72, he was the one with the most skill. Now, I think that that verse means that he was a skilled warrior and a skilled musician and poet, but also he was a really good shepherd. I mean, bears and lions show up and he beats them up. He's a good shepherd, which marks him out as a good king. You don't put the family business in, in, in the hands of someone who's incompetent. If you have a farm, you don't want me running it. As I said to the first service, if you, if you have a circus that needs to be run, my job is more like a circus keeper than, than a keeper of the sheep, okay? And I'm not saying our staff is full of clowns, but you can go wherever you want with that, okay? But I'm better at the circus than I am on the farm. But the truth is, you're not gonna put David in charge unless you really trust him. He had a heart of gold, but he was also very skillful. But what I want you to see in the text is in verse 13. What makes David special is that the spirit of God rushed upon him. 
His heart was right. And a right heart is fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to move. And what we need are right hearts that are propelled by the Holy Spirit. God may choose the least likely. It seems like we bat zero as opposed to a thousand. We bat zero when it comes to seeing where God is moving. But if we will let the Spirit guide us, we will see what we need to see. This man was Spirit-filled. He was, he, his asset, if Samuel's asset was his obedience, then David's greatest asset was that he was spirit-filled. But here's the warning that we want to finish with. If your heart is right and you are spirit-filled, that's when the trouble comes. Starting in the very next verses there at the end of chapter 16, going into chapter 17, we see that as the spirit rushes upon David, the enemy begins to attack. Saul is experiencing depression. And so they bring David in to play the harp. And then Saul tries to kill David. We see Goliath coming into the picture. We'll talk about that in the future. And we see that as, as, as David is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's able to confront the giant. But listen, he still had to confront the giant. When we determine to be used of God, we will also need to determine to be attacked by the enemy. And this passage not only shows us a heart of gold, a heart that chases, chases after gold, our God, what we see is, is when that heart is right and the spirit comes, it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be okay. So let's go back to Samuel for a minute. There's a man obedient to God and he has to experience grief. And here we have a heart of gold seeking God. And what do we have? We have, that's when the troubles come. That's when spiritual warfare begins. Even when we're doing what God has called us to do, it doesn't mean that prosperity uh, is, is, is in our future. We have to battle against that. You and I have simple ways of thinking about how God works. If I do my job, if I am faithful in what I do, then God will bless. But that is not the witness of scripture. An obedient prophet is grieved even when he does what God has called him to do. And here we have an obedient king, David, whose heart had to be broken where he saw again and again God's people not being faithful, not being true. I want so bad for each of you to experience the power of God's spirit at work in your life and in your calling. But I wanna warn you, if you're going to have a heart for God, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna get punched in the mouth, spiritually speaking. That's right. That's the last series, that's true. We have the armor of God for that. We put on the full armor of God that we can withstand, right? That we can stand and withstand. That's a good word, but you're gonna get hit and you better be ready. I want you to be used of God but I don't want you to go into the battle unprepared and unaware. God has a beautiful plan for your life. If your heart is right, the spirit will fill you and then God will do great things. But we have to get ready. We have to prepare. So let me just summarize for you what we must take from this passage. It's three simple ideas that are life-changing for you as you go forward. Friends, grief and fear are inevitable. They're gonna come. But don't be paralyzed by that grief. Be obedient. Samuel's example shows us that even when things seem to be falling apart, God still has work 
for us to do. The biggest mistakes we often make is staying weighed down by grief too long. God has a beautiful plan for your life. Don't forget that. The second thing we saw here in our passage today is the need for us to ask God to purify our hearts and open our eyes to where he is working. God is at work. But if we remain in sin, if we have sin in our hearts, then here's the sad reality. We won't be able to see clearly where he is working. How many times have we missed being at the, at the tip of the spear in the front line of where God wants us because we were stuck in this spot where we were allowing sin to blind us, allowing sin to keep us from God's will. And the final point, be filled with the spirit and then prepare for spiritual warfare. You know, I know that sounds tough. I, none of us want to think about going to war, but remember what I've said, we're never fighting against other people. The goal is, is to fight against Satan. And, and yes, Satan will use people, but he fills his saints with the power they need to overcome those spiritual obstacles. God knows your heart. And if you will humbly confess your sins, he will let the spirit fill you. So as we finish today, I'm gonna to pray and I'm gonna ask you to consider is God filling you today? Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.